Oh, hello there. Still listening, huh? We're so glad. Listen, if you get some value from the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would, I don't know, maybe tell a friend or two. Somebody you think that, you know, might actually get some value from the show. That would be super duper. Anyways, guys, thanks for being the most important part of the show. Can't wait to see you again. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I am Cameron. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Did you like that accent? Yeah, I, I loved it. I feel like it's getting closer to Halloween. It is. So I'm, I'm practicing. At the time that we shot this, <laughs> it is six days away. However, by the time it airs... It's probably closer to Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I hope you have your turkeys. I hope you have your stuffing. You're a turkey. Thanks. Yeah. I am a little bit of a turkey. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Feeling like, like it's happening. You know, this mm-hmm. podcast, our message. I'm digging it. Yeah. I'm starting, people, to, starting to feel. People all over the world want coming turkey. In, you know, coming after, you know, the changes with, with the lineup and the changes that we've had of the show, the way that we're doing things and the direction that we're going. And I'm starting to feel like I'm coming into it and it's not always easy to, to, to do this. You know, I don't really necessarily identify as a, a like a movie guy or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what a I podcast. Host? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't identify as anything that I'm doing. Right. Like, well, the great thing is, is that you don't have to, right? Yeah. Like, you can you can uh, you can call yourself somebody with a good message, and that's all. That's that's yeah. the only qualification you need. And so that's that's what we're going to talk about is that word identify identification, and you know the reason that I wanted to talk about it was uh, I recently went on vacation, which is new. You know, I'm yeah. fuck, a drug addict, alcoholic, spent most of my time not going on you know, responsible vacations with my spouse. We, we celebrate 10 years. Even as a sober person, how many vacations have you not, had? Not many. Right. I mean, it's new. It's kind of been my vision for mm-hmm. myself is mm-hmm. to kind of be able to travel around and, and see more of the country and, and learn, you know, about different cultures and in, in, inside our country and stuff like that. But, you know, I went and, and I got to go to a meeting on the East Coast. We were in Massachusetts and, and, I went to, we went to a meeting there and the way that they opened the meeting was a little bit different than the way that we do it out here, but I could still identify as an alcoholic within sure. the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so it made me start thinking about, you know, how, how did I get to this place? You know, um, a lot of times we just, we'll, we'll get up in the morning and we'll just be who we are, you know, we'll go through our day. Just, I'm, I'm Willie, I'm little old me doing, doing my thing, but it made me really kind of think about like how did I get the identity that I have how did I come to identify as an alcoholic you know 
what are the things that I put in place and, and how much of it was mine? How much of it did I let go of? And I thought it would make a great topic. And, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it because my identity is so important to me today. Sure. You know, the way that the way that you see me, the way that Jordan, the way that that our, our listeners and viewers see me and and how we're able to say things that other people are able to identify with. I just really dig the process. I really enjoy being a part of this. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about identity. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think it's, I think it's a very interesting topic. I, I'm glad that you wanted to talk about it because it is like, you know, when I was first going through this process of, of learning about myself, I, I think I had to sort of smash Every everything I thought I knew about myself, or everything that I did identify yeah. as, or with, or or you know everything I thought I knew about myself, right? Yeah. And sort of through that process, like really, like I think the one thing that I was able to determine for sure is that I was an alcoholic, and you know I was able to do that through a number of different ways. Like the the first thing that became immediately clear to me was. Once I looked at all the evidence I had, and I had to, I had to purposely go through and and examine these different areas of my life, and decide that it would appear, based on the evidence that I myself have found in my history and my past and these situations and certain things that you know I I did to myself to my loved ones and and the situations I found myself in due to the nature of the illness i i am truly an alcoholic right you know um and for a long time and and maybe even still you know that's the only thing i know for sure about myself <laughs> you know like i and and i and i prefer to keep it that way okay you know like i don't want to build my identity my identity around too many things that i'm not open minded to to, to change, yeah. you know, I just know that me identifying as an alcoholic is the one thing that it keeps me in a healthy mind frame. So I know what I can and cannot have in regards to yeah. that. Yeah. Well put. It, it, I mean, you mentioned in that, it makes me think, gosh, it's so unwavering the, the alcoholic that I am. Mm-hmm. Right. If I can, you know, grab a hold of, of what you're saying, I identify as an alcoholic. Um, I don't see any chance of me ever drinking successfully. Right. You know, based on like what you were saying, the attempts that were taken in the past, it seems like that is completely unwavering. The fact that I am an alcoholic based on my behavior, the way that I behave once I start ingesting alcohol, you know, and I'm, I'm the same way. I started identifying as an alcoholic based on the evidence that was laid before me. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. made suggestions and they said, you know, if if you drink like this and you have this outcome, you might be an alcoholic. But that's up to you to decide. Right. You, know, you decide. And if you're not ready for that, you know, maybe go do some more research. And when they when they told me to go do more research, what they meant was if you need to go out and drink and use more to get a full understanding of what happens to you when you use and drink, then go do that. Hopefully you don't die because you're loved, but you might, you know, that's what happens to alcoholics. And so it's so, it's so interesting that alcoholic doesn't waver within me. 
right? Like there's no changing that where, you know, my, my identity, my identity, as far as like my beliefs go, I'm willing to change, you know, I'm willing to, to adapt and and move through those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, maybe because they don't, they're, they're not as harmful or I'm willing to grow upon that. Like, like the, the alcoholic part of my identity is so fucking harmful that I'm not willing to even play with that. Like, like here it is. This is, I identify as an alcoholic based on my behavior through my past. Okay. Let's move into solution. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And the solution part of that, you know, I've had many different identities within the solution of alcohol, alcoholism. Right. Mm hmm. And so coming, coming to that, it's, it's kind of a fun little ride, you know, building a new identity in this new way of life is fun. You know, prior, prior to getting sober this last time I was shit. That was your identity. (laughs) That was my behavior. And I could identify, you know, I identified my life as a struggle, you know, and, and my pain defined me, um, there was a lot of stuff that I kind of considered as, you know, just the, the hand that I was dealt. Mm, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Yep. I was, you know, I'm never going to get it. I'm, I'm slow learner. I'm not a very good reader. I'm unhealthy. I'll always be fat. You know, a lot of, a lot of negative identities that go along with prior to, to this movement and recovery that I'm in now over the last several years. And so, um, you know, I gained an identity before I got sober this last time. You know, I've always had an identity. I just didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what to call that, right? I, okay. I didn't really necessarily um, labels or, or, you know, my identity was whatever that, my identity was whatever action or behavior I was engaged in. Sure, okay. Right. right. And so, um, when I was a kid, uh, when I was born, uh, and, and I've shared about this before, when I was born, I was given my identity, you know, I was right. given my name, I was given my religion, I was given my, my social standard, I was given all these things. And then I grew up and started getting interested in my own thing. And I, and I started gaining an identity there, mm-hmm. Try, just trying to find my own way. Sure. Sure. You know, just trying to find my own way. And my identity was highly influenced by the people around me. Right. You know, yeah. as, as it is, you mm-hmm. know, and I think maybe as it is still, but, you know, coming into being able to identify as broken, you know, was a big help for me. I could, I could take the stories of other people and the way that they looked at themselves and the way that they corrected themselves. And I could gain an understanding about how I could relate with that. Mm. Right. Now I could relate with the way that they were talking about how they felt in their brokenness, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and relate identity. You know, I could identify with another person through their alcoholism and their struggle through trying to get sober and not being able to gave me the ability to, to step back from all my previous identification and start from square one Mm -hmm. based on the evidence. I am alcoholic. Well, let me ask you like what, uh, what, what were some of the things you identified with, like in, in, in one word, one, one word for each thing, what were some of the things you identified with prior to, to stepping into the rooms of an alcoholic or, or, or into the rooms of AA? Like I know for myself, it was like, um, I'm a player, you know, I'm an abuser, 
I'm um, a drug addict, you know. Um, I'm the party guy. I'm, you know, like these are all sort of the mm. the different mask that I might wear in these different situations. Mm. Um, but it was hard for me to actually know, like deep down inside, I had no idea, right. you know, what I was or what was happening or or what I was doing. I only I only had faint ideas of, like you said, what other people had sort of decided for me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I'll say too, that, you know, I, I was, I was the party guy. I was, you know, um, the guy that, uh, was, I was the, the fun uncle. That was another, you know, thing. Right. And then eventually like I was the depressed one. Mm-hmm. I was the one that couldn't be relied upon. I was, you know, the, the troubled one, yeah. you know, and, and that's a lot of, you know, in the eyes of other people. And it took a long time for me to realize that I, I am all those things and it's okay because that's gotta be the starting point of real change for me. You know, yeah. like I am troubled, I am depressed and I've got to take some action on that, you know? And now, you know, and then and then it got to a place where it was like, I'm probably not all those things. I'm just an alcoholic. Right. And and that's okay. Yeah. Because so, I, I don't, I'm not in those behaviors while I'm not drinking. Like, right. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things, a lot of negative behaviors that I did, um, I would identify those things. But it took me some sobriety to understand that. I'm, I'm only those things when I'm drinking right. and when I'm using them, that's mm-hmm. the only time I'm those things. And so maybe there's a false perception of myself that I'm not really grabbing a hold of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that's what such a, a, a big part of a recovery community can do, you know, like you and I, we got sober in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous through treatment, different stuff, other alcoholics, but, you know, having other people that are able to tell their stories and in a way that we can resonate with and, and say, fuck, I, I did that same thing. And then they can come with a solution and go, you know, and now I don't do these things. And, and it's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that was a false person. Maybe I'm not phony. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not just a piece of shit. Maybe I'm not as negative as I previously thought, you know, maybe I'm just broken. Right. And, and if I can, if I can see that, if I can step back and I can see that, I'm broken and I need work, then maybe if I'm lucky, which I am, I can start a process of healing. And once that begins, then our identities can change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We can go from the old whatever that identity was, right? Because I had an identity on the streets too of other, like, like the cops didn't, I, they, they didn't see me the same way that my friend saw me. Sure. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. and nobody saw me the way that I saw me. And my mom saw me only the way that a mother can see her son. Right. And so we can take away all those things from square one. Right. So the way that I came to identify as an alcoholic was pretty simple, was listening to other alcoholics. Right. And, and so, I do the same thing with food right? and um, depression and fear, right? And so I take, how do I behave 
when I indulge in this thing, right? And so let's take food, for example. Mm -hmm. When I, I, I recognize myself as a compulsive old reader as well as an alcoholic. And the reason that I identify as that is because once certain food goes into my mouth, it creates an obsession. The obsession starts, right? And so I get a craving. I indulge in that craving. It creates an obsession. And once there's an obsession, right, once the obsession in me is, is started, I act out compulsively generally, right? right? I did that with alcohol and drugs. I did that with food. I do that with basically anything that makes me change the way that I feel about myself for mm -hmm. that moment. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the good news was that other people identified that same way and they explained it to me that way. Sure. And then they explained a solution for it. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to hear the solution, but they explained the solution, you know, for that one thing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we were talking before the podcast and you'd mentioned wiping the slate clean. Right. Right. And so getting to a point where we're able to wipe the slate clean, right? Like how do we get from all that destruction, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all that disaster to a point where we can step back and go, okay, I've done all those things, but I'm not all those things. Right. Right. Well, and I think it comes from, <clears throat> from having that gift of desperation. Like we, we don't have a choice. Right. Like it's not, it's, I mean, we we've seen where these decisions and and identifying as this or that has has ultimately led us right mm -hmm. it's it's no longer serving us and so in order to continue in in a way where i'm allowed to thrive i've got to disassociate myself with those previous false notions right those previous ways of identifying and really just saying okay i don't know fuck about shit <laughs> You know, like I've just got to like, you know, I think I know this or I think I know that. And it's like, it's not, it's not true. Obviously it's not true. You know, like the one thing that I can see based on the work that I'm doing is that maybe this one thing is true. In right. my case, it was that I was an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, that one thing is true based on everything. And moving forward, I can sort of hold on to that. And, and, and like you said, like, I'm compulsive overeater too. Like that's, that's a part of my repertoire. And, and as it is now, like I can still become all these defects of character when I give into that craving and the obsession kicks in, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm now, I, I now become selfish. You know, I now become impatient. I now be, you know, begin to isolate and, you know, all these other defects of character come into the game. But I don't identify as those because ultimately I'm a compulsive overeater and I've given in to the compulsion. Right. And so I'm now under the influence. And so the, uh, my identity hasn't changed. It's just that currently I'm in that, that negative space. Right. You know, so it's just like if I, you know, I say I'm an alcoholic, well, I'm an alcoholic in recovery, right? Right. And so that means that, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm working a good program and that means that I'm, I'm helping others, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing these defects of character, I'm making amends immediately, I'm, you know, taking a solid inventory of myself 
and and I'm doing the work in 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 those areas specifically, right? Right. But if I were to be drinking, it would still be the same thing. I'm still just an alcoholic. I just happen to be, you know, an active alcoholic. Yeah. Now you're now you're living in all those defects of character. Right. Right. Exactly. Now I'm living in that negative space. So for me, it, it it had to. I, I, I actually am extremely grateful that that's the one thing that I know about myself mm-hmm. and, and that it's, everything else is flexible, man. Good. Well put. You Very know well I mean? put. Like everything else is maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, maybe I am, maybe I am fitness, you know, savvy. Maybe I'm not right. Maybe I'm, you know, super healthy. Maybe I'm not like, right. because I seem to be, each one of those at different times, yeah. you know what I mean? But ultimately, like the one thing I know about myself is that I am an alcoholic. And I know that because I have years and years of evidence to show me that that's the case. Yeah. And so I think the critical part about like, you know, having the slate be erased is being able to recognize that I have to, I have to just start over. Like it's a necessity. It's not an option anymore. Because the way that I've identified up until this point has sort of been hazardous to my health. And everyone around you. Yeah, very, 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 very well said. The people that we love the most, the people Mm -hmm. that love us the most, you know. And, and yeah, I like like what you were saying because once that is wiped clean, right, and for those of us that be alcoholic, I know not everybody that listens to the show is an alcoholic and not everybody's a compulsive overeater. Maybe you're dealing with um, some trauma or um, some sexual abuse or, or some other some other thing that is keeping you from growing, right? Like most of us have been through all those things, several of those things. And um, the nice thing about once that slate is clean and we can identify what the problem is, then hopefully we can also start identifying who we want to be. Sure. Yeah. You you know, what, what, okay. I'm alcoholic. So I'm also a man, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of man do I want to be? You know? And then you move into, you know, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm, I'm also an employee. So what kind of employee do I want to be? You know, do I, do I want to be the alcoholic employee that who never grateful for their job, never, um, appreciates anything is blind to the to the the benefits of having a career or you know the negative employee or do i want to be the positive employee that's looking for growth and and you know because we can we can build a life around those things once we stop indulging in the vices that are keeping us sick Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know at at least that's it for me like as long as i'm indulging in the vices that keep me sick it keeps me from progressing in the direction that i have a vision for myself and that's one of the things that we talk about often on this on this show is having a vision for ourselves right. and for our lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't believe that I can be successfully happy believing that I'm a piece of shit based on old behavior, right? right. I don't, right. I don't, I don't think it'll work for me. I've tried it. Mm-hmm. I've tried, mm-hmm. I've tried keeping the identity of the negative in myself, you know, and and it did make me very happy. 
Right, I, right. I don't like not being happy. Mm-hmm. That's why I got sober. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it didn't work, and, it, and I had a couple of days of, of happiness and sobriety, and so I expanded on that. You know, sobriety has been wonderful for me, um, but it's also given me a lot of challenges in, in really diving into and, and solidifying the identity that I have today, mm-hmm. you know? The way that you view me, the way that Avery views me, the way that I view myself. And what's come out of that, the direction that I've taken, is that I'm building my identity based on action. Mm, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things that we did early on was we built a vision for you, a vision for ourselves, which was, we've talked about it before, but I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit now because it's such a big part of my identity. Right. Being able to create a life for myself and a, and, a, and a view of myself and an opinion of myself came from my subconscious mind putting something on paper as to who do I want to be and what do I want my life to look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the projection of myself out into the world, right? If I know that I can't use and drink and I accept that, I accept that I'm powerless once I do, right? And that my life becomes unmanageable, which means somebody else is taking care of me. I'm not taking care of myself. Right. Um, if I can put the highest version of my imagination on a piece of paper, just one time, you know, who do I want to be? You know, that gives me a direction to take. And if I have a direction to take with the help of other people that have taken that direction, I have a chance of building an identity that is going to parallel the idea that I have for myself, the, you know, the, the goals that I have, the person that I want to be. But it comes through action, right? Mm-hmm. Once it's on paper, I have to take some steps in that direction. Right. 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 Well, and it and it and it kind of comes back to the same thing, right? Like you're building your identity or we're we're building our identity on evidence. And the evidence is presented through the action. Mm-hmm. So it's like obviously I'm this thing because I'm taking this action that's in line with that right. specific ideal. Right. right. And it's funny because I think that it for me, I had to I had to be OK with with not knowing certain things about myself because I had built my identity around around this sort of negative behaviors that I was that I was exhibiting. But without those things, who am I? Right. You know what I mean? And that was scary. And I think that that's, that's a place where a lot of people can get to. I think specifically in my case, like when I build my identity around my, my mental illnesses, you know, it, it's hard to get out from under them. Sure. Because that's who I am. Sure. Like I'm, I'm Cameron. I'm the depressed, you know, individual. I'm, I'm, I'm Cameron. I'm the one that's always has anxiety you know like that's that's who I am as an individual and even though I don't particularly like those things about me if I remove them then who am I yeah you know and so I think I had to get over the fear of of what that could mean to let go of those certain things and I think I'm not alone here when I say that you know really when I was first in the rooms of recovery or coming out of uh, of of that addiction, I had to mourn that, that part of myself. 
Right. Even though like it was miserable, it was awful. I never liked myself and I, and I had this, you know, this incredible sort of amount of, of, um, of just hate towards myself. Like Mm -hmm. I still had to mourn this loss of that particular individual because it was a part of my life for so long. Like, and, and so going through that process, like, was a scary thing because it I didn't I didn't know who I was gonna be. All I knew was that it had to be better than who I was. Right. You know. And that's still the only thing that maybe I, I, I know for certain is that it it's gonna it's gonna be better. It's gonna be better than than who I am now, you know. And each day as I work towards maybe a new vision for myself, that's really all I'm I'm working towards. I wanna be right. a little bit better. I wanna be just a little bit better. I want to be better than this. I want to be better than that, you know. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with how I am now, right? I just want to be a little better. Yeah. And that's all right. Absolutely. Yeah. I want you to be better too. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. The the world deserves a better us. Like we've, we, I feel like I feel like it's it's a debt to be paid to be a better version of ourselves. Very well for, put for sure because. Man, it's the amount of selfishness that came along with with the inability to really relate on an empathetic level with the people that I was harming because I was so intoxicated all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then that thing that you were talking about mourning, you know, I think it's important to understand that that as that mourning comes up, that that grief of of letting go of the old me, right, right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grief that comes along with the guilt that comes that, that that's involved with the behavior that was there. Mm-hmm. You know, recovery mm-hmm. from drug and alcohol addiction is a painful process to heal. Healing is a painful process. It really is reopening wounds, reopening old memories, revisiting people that we had harmed, right? And all those things. And and you know, when when I identify as as a coward and I identify as sneaky and I identify mm. as a thief and a criminal, you know, these are all, these are all things that nobody wants in their lives. Right. You know? And so right. I identify with, uh, you know, I, I build this identity around somebody that's unlovable and then I become that on the inside of myself. And, and it's been a really big challenge to get to the point where I feel like I am worthy of love. That seems like that's been a huge a huge part of my psyche for most of my life is that, you know, I'm just unworthy of love mm. because of my behavior. Now, um, getting, getting past that stuff is a daily struggle. And I, and I, and I like how you talked about, you know, being okay with that changing from time to time, right. you know, whatever direction that I, that I started off on, um, I'm learning now to pay attention to what, my inner voice is saying, you know, I'm, uh, I think, I think I've been learning that for a really long time, but I'm learning to pay really close attention to what that's saying. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking before the show about wasting energy and wasting time and, 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 you know, the things that we don't get back and, you know, I don't want to spend another moment in a wasted identity, you know, but, it takes what it takes for me to, to come out of and understand that identity doesn't work for me. 
Sure. You know, I've been through several, you know, I've been through several in recovery. I've, I've tried different routes of belief. I've tried different routes of unbelief. You know, I've tried different routes of what, um, what media I'm putting into my mind, what diets I'm on. Right. You know, I've tried several different diets and what, what this has told me that the one thing that I know for sure, regardless of how I feel, is that I love myself today. I love myself enough to be open to whatever change I need to make in order to adapt to a way of success in my life so that I'm happy. Right. And that's what makes me happy today is the ability to not go back to the drugs and alcohol, the ability to move forward in the, to move forward in creating a new identity based on the things that didn't work for me yesterday. Right. Being able to take criticism and feedback and the ideas of other people and what is working for them so that I can try those for myself. Right. Because if it's healthy in the way that I find things to be healthy today, I'm willing to try it. Mm -hmm. I want the I want the maximum amount of health in my life. Right. I want the maximum amount of joy in my life. I want the maximum amount of friendship and trust and direction in my life. You know, and, and, and building a lifestyle around that, right, helps me build the identity that I've always wanted deep down inside, mm-hmm. which is when I die, I want people to say good things about me. Yeah. When I'm not here anymore, I want people to be able to say, that motherfucker, that's my boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be a life worth living. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. It comes through action. Right. Well, ultimately, it sounds like your 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 goal is to be somebody worthy of love. Because like you said, <laughs> yeah. like you, that's sort of been... Simple enough. Right? Yeah. Something that you, that you identified with early on was somebody that wasn't worthy of love. Right. And so you're flipping that around to be like, oh, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> You know what I mean? My boy. That's obviously somebody who has my love and respect is, you know, being somebody that I can speak well of after, after they're gone. Yeah. I don't have to wait till then (laughs) because that's hopefully a long ways away. Yeah. I can tell you what I think about you now. And you have. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not uncommon to talk nicely about each other. Right. Right. Because we see each other doing the work. Right. You know, and that's the hope that, that I have for our listeners and our viewers is that, that you can change this around, you know, mm-hmm. we're the proof, mm-hmm. you know, we're mm-hmm. the proof that you can change your identity, mm-hmm. that you can, you can step into a greater version of yourself right. and, and be the person that, you know, a, you can, you can be the person that you desire to be. Right. But it doesn't happen sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> is, well, is, is the big thing. Yeah. Like, and it takes it, action. It's funny because I feel like I've had like in 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 my years, you know, since I since I was able to sober up, like I feel like I've had, you know, my identity change and shift and morph a couple of different times, mm-hmm. you know, um, through good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I was a student for a long time. Right. And and then I was, you know, somebody that was chasing their dreams. And then I was, you know, then all of a sudden I was 
somebody who wanted to be a father, which I, you know, I definitely hadn't really identified as before, but I was open-minded, right? right. Like it, it wasn't anything I, I wasn't somebody who identified as somebody that didn't want to have kids. Right. You know, um, but, and, and, you know, and then I was, I, I identified as a compulsive overeater. And so it became, you know, like a struggle to all of a sudden food was a problem. Right. And, 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 you know, I've been working through all these different identities, you know, and now like, again, like I've come to this place where it's, it's like, there's only a few things that's, that seem to stay consistent. You know, I, I am consistently, I'm, I'm, I'm an alcoholic because again, I know that if I, if I begin to tell myself that I'm not an alcoholic or, or to flirt with the notion Ooh. that that's not a part of my identity, then I'm inclined to, to play with fire in right. that category. And for me, it just feels like there's never going to be a moment in my life where I'm going to be allowed or able to drink successfully. Yeah. Like I agree. You said, and the thing is, is that I don't want to No, you know, not like, at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty grateful to at least be in a place where that obsession has been relieved from me, which is all that's promised. Right. Right. It's the only thing that's promised is that I will be relieved of the obsession to drink. Right. And that's, that's, that's my experience, you know, and I dare say that the more I do, I do the work or I find something that works for me um, in regards to my health and wellness, the obsession is relieved there as well. Yeah. Not immediately, not without work, just like it wasn't with alcohol. Right. You know, like I really had to do the work. And, you know, going through the motions with food has made me remember what it was like to be in early recovery. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this a couple of times. Man, remember how hard it was? Like how hard it was to actually just not drink. Right. Because we're so far down the road that sometimes it it becomes it be it, it's it's hard to remember what it was like. Yeah. You know, which is why we go to meetings, we see those newcomers and we can identify with them. It's like, man, I remember that. And that's why it's good for me to remember and have those moments where Dude, I remember what that was like. I remembered when, 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 you know, like everything in my life was just shit and garbage and I didn't feel like I had any way out and there was no hope. And how was I ever going to, how was I ever going to not be a drug addict? How was I ever going to not be an alcoholic? You know, how was I ever going to not be a piece of shit? Like you said, like that was almost my daily mantra, dude. It's like... <laughs> I am the world's biggest piece of shit. I can't even, can't even do this. I can't even do that. I can't even, you know. And luckily today, that's not the rhetoric that I receive. And I, I can hopefully, hopefully, right? Hopefully talk enough about my experience openly that somebody who is feeling that way will maybe get a message of hope from it and say, wow, okay, so that person felt like this too at one time and now they don't anymore. Okay. Well, what do I got to do? You know? Yeah. That's all we ever hope for. Right. Is that our experience and hope will benefit somebody else. Absolutely. Very well said, mm -hmm. you know, very, very, very well said. And I can identify with, with I like it with all that, <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, I mean that, that, 
that feels like a perfect segue into our war story, you know, because you, you touched on a few things and, and one of the, one of the things that, you know, Hannah is, is our, is our war story and she, and she has an unconventional way of getting sober. However, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she identifies as an addict, you know, through her story, she's able to tell her story in a way that, that you can see through her behavior right she's able to identify as that you know mm-hmm. and when i say unconventional it's because she didn't get sober through 12 a 12 step program you right. know mm-hmm. which is okay we've had we've had other people um on here that that didn't go through a 12 step way of getting sober we have people on on here that have told their stories that never went to treatment you know this isn't right. a one-size-fits-all thing the important thing is that i'm able to identify with her and the way that she used, mm-hmm. and the way that she suffered, mm-hmm. and the way that she stays sober, trying to help other people stay yep. sober. Yep. That's and, and that's so noble. You yeah. know, I love it. You know, it's it's one of our shorter war stories, mm-hmm. which is totally okay too. Yeah. Like, you know. Um. So, yeah, I I I enjoyed her story, and I really appreciate uh, her her sharing her story with us. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it was, it was great, and I think that uh, I think that people will get a lot from it. There's definitely a lot there that I identified with, and and just that notion of always sort of feeling not 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 yourself, you mm-hmm. know, always sort of feeling like like there was there was a need for some sort of outer substance to alter my thinking, yeah. you know, because I was just so uncomfortable in my own skin, despite how it may appear to others. <laughs> Very well put. You know, right. Very well put. It was hard. Yeah. So with that, without further ado, here is Hannah's story. My name is Hannah Dordick. Um, I have been in recovery now for six years and a little over eight months. And um, I just... The, I didn't really have uh, one specific drug that I was addicted to, but I had, uh, I did a lot of inhalants and ecstasy before Molly became a thing. Then I did Molly, um, a lot of fake acid, which is called uh, 25I, I believe. And it all started when I was 16, 15, 16 years old. So I spent half my, more than half my teenage years addicted to drugs. And um, it first started out with the simple smoking some weed, um, getting getting a little bit drunk here and there at, um, uh, I went to a, uh, pre-college program in the summer uh, before 11th grade and that kind of is where my addiction started um, I ended up getting kicked out of the program and they now use me as a what not to do kind of story for the program uh, so um, I ended up doing some really bad things. I sprained both my ankles at the same time because I was drunk um, to go get more alcohol in the middle of Brooklyn at like one in the morning. 
Um, and so that kind of started a downhill slide with my mom and it sent me into a whole whirlwind of depression and, and I just ended up using more and more drugs, anything I could get my hands on really. Um, there were times where I would take some pills and didn't know what they were, didn't matter. There was one time where I took probably too many pills and for a whole week straight after that, my hands were shaking um, because of it. And I was sent to rehab, an outpatient rehab in 11th grade, um, summer of 11th grade, I believe. And while it, I was forced, so it was against my will, while I was not ready to give up my addictions or anything like that, I was only being tested for weed. So I was able to figure out the kinds of drugs that didn't show up on the drug tests. So like stuff like inhalants and um, if I did ecstasy at certain amount of, like a certain amount of time before the drug test, it wouldn't show up. So I wasn't really sober during that time, but it did give me enough motivation to finish my senior year of high school um, and get my grades up because it was kind of looking like I wasn't gonna go to college. Um, I probably would have repeated 11th grade. Um, so eventually I went off to college and my drug use just got worse. Uh, I found way more access to different kinds of drugs. Um, there was a moment where I'm not too proud of where I accidentally did meth. Uh, it was an accident and we thought it was Molly and it wasn't. And how I reacted was I didn't. I was just like, oh, well, okay, fuck it. Like I did meth, okay, like let's just continue to ride this out. And I didn't really care. But when I look back on it, it's like, holy shit, I fucking did meth. Like what, <laughs> like what? So I ended up leaving college in 2012 at the age of 18, 19, my bad, 19. I was 19 already. Um, and I left college to kind of get myself back together. I was failing out of college. I wasn't going to classes. I was getting high instead of going to uh, classes, instead of doing work. Um, so I kind of got my bearings back a little bit um, that after I left college, um, I ended up just really smoking weed and that was about it. But then once I went back to college um, for the 2013 fall semester, I, my drug use got worse. I continued not to go to classes. I had a friend that lived off campus and her roommate um, could get like a, all the drugs that I needed. And there was one moment where I went to go pick up two tabs of fake acid, um, 25I, and I had the idea of possibly taking it before I drove home. So it would kick in by the time I get back to campus. Luckily I didn't do that because 
I put the two tabs, you know, in my mouth. And um, by the time I got to the top of the stairs in my dorm uh, complex, I was tripping balls. And I was supposed to meet a friend and she came over and she just found me. I was on the floor with foam coming out of my mouth, just completely out of it. And I just didn't care that I could have died in that moment. I could have overdosed. I could have like gone to the hospital and had to like be resuscitated or whatever. I was just fine with foam coming out of my mouth, not being able to move on the ground. And from there, my eyes started to turn in. I, the doctor says that I had a gene for the, the cross-eyed, um, for having cross-eyes and it must've turned on when I took those drugs because from that minute, my eyes started to go cross uh, more and more every day. And that was kind of the moment that woke me up and was like, you're literally damaging your body permanently. And I looked, I was looking in the mirror. I couldn't even recognize myself. My eyes were all fucked up. I looked like shit. And so then I decided to officially leave that college, take myself out of that environment, go home to where my parents were, where I could get some help that I needed. And I ended up from November 4th, 2013. I was 19 years old, um, the tail end of my 19th year. I got clean and sober and it was really fucking hard in the beginning. Uh, the first two years was a shit show and a mess, even into the third and fourth year, you know, it, it was rough. Um, I had to deal with all the depression that I had been keeping down, um, keep down and I had to, I had to face all these, these craving. I had no idea like what cravings were. I just knew that I wanted drugs and I could fucking get them. But now that I had these cravings and I couldn't do these drugs, I didn't know what to do. And so that was, that was a hell of a ride. Um, I didn't go back to rehab. It didn't help me in high school and I was not a huge fan of AA or NA or any of those groups. So I just kind of did it all on my own. I moved to New York City, I moved to Miami, um, ended up back here in Albany, New York. But I kind of took the time to figure out who I was because as a teenager, that's kind of when you're figuring out who you are, what your values are, what you'd like to do possibly for the future. And I didn't have any of that. I just had me and my drugs and that was about it. And so Six years and eight months later, I am completely happily clean. I, the only cravings I occasionally get are for cigarettes and I haven't smoked a cigarette in five months, I believe. So that's, that's my most recent addiction. That's been the hardest thing to quit, um, to be honest. But um, I have never been happier being sober. Now, like I look back at my teenage self and I just think, damn, I didn't know, like I still can't, 
even believe that I got to that point of just stealing money, stealing drugs, you know, doing shitty, being a shitty person. It it's it's crazy to think about, especially like crazy to think about that I've done meth. I think that's a little crazy moment, crazy thought memory for me to like realize how bad it got, how bad it really actually got. And yeah, I mean, I'm great now. I'm fucking fantastic. (laughs) Um, I am now a coach for those who went through exactly what I went through and felt very alone in the recovery because when I was recovering, there was no online space. There was no, um, there was no community that I could be involved with. There was, I couldn't find anyone that was going through what I was going through. It was kind of something that you didn't really still talk about. Addiction wasn't something you talked about. And I'd like to be that, I'm I'm trying to be that voice for those people who feel so alone like I did. Yeah. And you're definitely not alone. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for being the voice for all of us that have felt alone, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely for sure. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the one thing we're finding out more and more, you know, through, through this podcast and the people that we talk to is we're definitely not alone. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there. Yeah. But I identified with so much of what she, yeah, what she had to say, man. Fucking gets out of hand quick. It can get out of hand. Yeah. Well, and it, and it, you know, she talked about the, this notion that she, you know, was, was, she was forced into to rehab. Right. And she, you know, was having to take drug tests. And it's, 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 it's a good reminder of how innovative we can be mm-hmm. because we will find a way, right? Like yeah. if, if, if it's going to come up on a drug test, then I'll find something that's not going to come up on a drug test. Right. Like I, I am that uncomfortable I am that uncomfortable with the prospect of being sober that I will find some way somehow to not be sober. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, what she was talking about. That's the disease. Right. Right. And and we put ourselves in just the most dangerous and insane situations Mm. chasing the comfort Mm -hmm. that came along with the first drink, you know, the first, the first time we use that, that sense of ease and comfort we will fucking chase that thing all the way into our death or, right. or like she was talking about, you know, like her disbelief. I, I was a daily meth user by age 16, but, um, I, I remember the first time I did it. And I remember that feeling of like, what the, f- I know better than yeah. that. I can't believe that I'm becoming this person. And, wow. and, you know, she put herself in a position where she did something that she never intended on and still has yeah she still has some you can hear it in her story that mm-hmm. she still has some real emotion around the fact that she did meth right you know mm-hmm. it's such a dangerous they're all dangerous right you know? right mm-hmm. and and she did a lot of drugs that i never did mm-hmm. but the feeling is the same right well just just that that obsession that urge that mm-hmm. that compulsion to change the way i'm feeling yeah i mean that's the consistent thing yeah yeah. So I don't have to, to, to know what it's in like, cause I didn't do, I didn't do inhalants. 
No. I wasn't, you know, I don't think I ever really messed with that, but that doesn't mean that I, you know, didn't do a bunch of stuff that, that was out to do the same thing. Right. I was out, I was out to get my mind off of whatever it was I was thinking about because yeah. man, I didn't like thinking about it. Yeah. Me, it, get me out of myself. It please. never, it never does boil down to the, to the drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's what the drug does for us. It's our solution. Right. The solution to quiet down whatever it is that we're trying to quiet down for me it was self-hatred and and pity and distrust and fear you know that's what i was trying to silence through all my using and drinking and now i have the ability to still have those doubts and those fears and uncertainty in my life uh i i still have those things Mm -hmm. i just have a solution for them that aren't drugs you know for me it's action it's talking about Mm it it's doing research on whatever it is I'm fearing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's doing the work, you know, mm-hmm. e- extra little bits here and there, you know. Um, and so, like, like coming around to a point where she, she reached her bottom when, you know, she had done enough drugs that it started damaging her body. Right. Physically. Yeah, and she, I mean, the thing was is that it was probably, I... Well, not probably. It was damaging her long before she could see it. Sure. But then the minute that she was able to see, very obviously, okay, I am now doing irreversible damage to my body right. through these actions. And that was the point for her. Yeah. Right? And and we, we, we all get to that point. You know, maybe it doesn't look like that. But at some point, we all, we all come to the conclusion that they're there has to be a better way. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. You know, luckily we are the lucky ones. Yeah. Most of the time that get two lives in one lifetime, you know, the one, one where we're, we're running to die and the one that we're running to live Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me, those two things. And so she's definitely a voice for people in recovery. Definitely somebody that, uh, has, has a message, you know, she's helping other people get sober, stay sober through her journey. She's got over six years and I, I dig, I, I really love it when people share different ways of getting sober than the way that I did it. Right. You know, she made the decision and went after it. I'm fucking done. Yep. I'm done. Yep. And she's done whatever it takes. To continue to be done. To be done, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like just like you and I have, you know, and I appreciate everybody that's that's supported my journey. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Including mm-hmm. the people listening, the people watching, the people sharing their stories. I get so much out of these stories. Oh like, yeah. Just yeah. the courage that it takes to, to go on this platform, tell your story that so other people can hear your voice and know that they are not alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm not alone. You're not alone, and you're worth the work. Right, worth the work. You know, it's funny because, well, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, thank you. Absolutely great. I, I can't thank you enough. And, and anybody that shares their story or anybody that's interested in sharing your story, please reach out to us. We're, we're available on Instagram at the other side of hell 101 You can email us at theothersideofhell at gmail.com. Um, but, uh, but, it, but it comes back to, you know, when you were talking just now, you were saying that you identified as, uh, as worthless 
you know, you had all this self-hatred and all these things, and you've gotten to a place now where you can do the work on those things. I think as well that there is some acceptance, right? Like, sure. we have to sort of accept that we're going to feel that way from time to time. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that you said to me before we started the show was that you're never going to see yourself the way that I see you. Right. You're never going to see yourself the way that Avery sees you. Right. Right? And, and so what you think about you, doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> that I mean, that's what you yeah. said, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. I just want to be. I want to be the guy my kids think I am. Right. Yeah. And you are. Right. You are that guy, but it's so easy for us to decide that we're different. Yeah. Than than the way other people see us. You know, and so I think that, you know, in in talking about this topic, it's important to remember that sometimes we're gonna have those moments for. For whatever reason, we just don't feel all that great about ourselves, like despite the work that we may be doing, sure. you know, and that that's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that the sky is falling because that's what I do. Like the minute I start feeling bad, I'm like, oh, this is where it happens. Yeah. This is this is the, the downhill slide. Doomed. Yeah, doomed. Yeah. That <laughs> impending sense of doom, you know, or catastrophizing the sky is falling and it's like. It doesn't mean shit. It just means that maybe today I'm not feeling all that great. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and sure enough, dude, the next day I'm usually like, boom. Feeling, I, feeling better. Yeah. Like I showed up. I still did the work despite how I felt. And, and I feel good. I feel good. The consistency feels good for sure. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. You are. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you too, and I appreciate this platform. Thank you for everybody that's tuned in. Thank you for everybody that's listening, watching, all the things. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys so much for allowing us to share this with you. So, with that, Cameron, thank you very much. I will see everyone on the other side. You are worth the work. Thanks, guys.